If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneurial experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or are looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of The Bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. Today on The Transition, I'm joined by Christina Wacke, Stanford professor and author of the book, Radical Focus, Achieving Your Most Important Goals with Objectives and Key Results. I had a chance to hear Christina speak last year at a tactical advance with the Lions Pride, one of the coaching groups I'm a part of, led by Bill Watkins. Although I was familiar with the OKR process, I didn't have a thorough understanding of it before a talk. After hearing her speak, I was intrigued and ended up reading her entire book in under 48 hours. As an early stage founder, Radical Focus spoke to me and the challenges that come with bringing a venture to life. It's hard to focus in the early days of launching, but I believe Christina's book and the OKR framework she details in it is the best way to go from zero to one. There's tons of management systems out there, including the four disciplines of execution and the entrepreneurial operating system, just to name a few. But when it comes to early stage founders, I believe that the OKR process is the best. On the show, Christina and I discuss the book and break down the process she details in it. That way you can implement it in your own venture. Before you hear from Christina and I, be sure to subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. I do my best to send out a newsletter at least once a week. And if there's a topic you'd like me to cover, either on the show or in the newsletter, feel free to reach out to me at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Christina, welcome to The Bunker. I'm I'm, geek, I'm geeked up today because I'm a reader and, you know, I'm a fan of your work with uh, the OKR process. I had a chance to hear you speak at my coaching group, and uh, I think you're going to bring a lot of value to our listeners today as they try to gain some more focus um, in their businesses and do the things that actually uh, drive momentum. I just want to thank you for inviting me. You know, um, when you reached out to me, I checked out your website and I'm like, this is someone doing amazing work entrepreneurs have such a hard time getting things done and to have more support for entrepreneurs is something I'm really excited by. When you spoke to me at the uh, tactical events I was a part of, and I think I asked my question, I don't remember what question I asked you, <laughs> but you asked me how much revenue I did. And I was like, oh, I did 100K, uh, just over 100K in revenue. And you you called me product market fit. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, I'm a small business owner. You know, I'm still figuring it out. But I felt honored the fact of like, oh, wow. You know, even as a small business owner, you know, to hit that kind of uh, revenue mark shows people that, hey, you might not have it all figured out yet, but you have a target market that you've identified and that finds value in your products or services. Absolutely. And I think um, people have this model in their mind that everything has to be this giant venture backed, uh, you know, effort. You know, if you don't ha you haven't can't raise a, a round, you you're nothing. And that's such a lie. Um the reality is, if you're making good money to support a good life, you've got product market fit. And if you know, if you raise money, you're giving up 
part of your business to someone who only wants to exit you, either getting sold or uh, going public. And the odds of going public are pretty low. So do you really want somebody like that giving you money when you could just bootstrap yourself and have a totally comfortable life? Um, I've been in Silicon Valley so long and I just finally realized, no, you don't have to play the game. It's their game. Well, I'm, well, I'm excited to get into it. And I know me, you just kind of hopped in and started chatting, but please take a moment to uh, introduce yourself uh, to the bunker. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear about what led you to write the book. Oh my gosh. So um, yes, I'm a lecturer at Stanford now, but to be honest, um, I've been in industry forever. I worked at LinkedIn and MySpace and Zynga and Yahoo and a lot of the places um, that you've heard about. And my last job was Zynga and I was just burnt, man. I was just wiped out and I quit. Um, and then I after lying on the floor for quite a while and watching a lot of food TV, um, I thought, okay, probably time to start doing something again. And um, I thought, I don't know how to think about this. And I thought, well, we do OKRs at Zynga. Why don't I just start using them? And so I set myself some goals about my happiness, my health, finances. Um, and then I started running experiments every quarter, you know, tried going to culinary school. My body can't handle that. Tried working for a food startup. And that's when they were really struggling as well. And I said, oh, you know, why don't we try out some OKRs? And it went so well. It went so, so well. And um, there are a couple other startups I advise, used OKRs with them. And I thought, you know, the biggest problem for startups is the shiny object syndrome, right? Like, oh, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. And so based on my experience with several of the startups I work with, I kind of combined it into a story. And I'll tell you, I could not believe that anybody would read it. I'm like, oh my God, I'm writing a book about an acronym. How am I going to get anybody to read that? So I thought, let's pull up Patrick Lencioni and tell a story. I've always been a fan of his books. And then I went out and read Phoenix Project and all that. And I'm like, yes, this is exactly right. If I can tell a story, people can see how they actually work as opposed to just a bunch of theory. I love it. And uh, the book she's referencing is Radical Focus, Achieving Your Most Important Goals with Objectives and Key, key Results. And uh, after I heard her speak, I read this book in an entire weekend and came back just mind blown. And I threw up an OKR on the board. And not only did I nail my OKR, right? I'm also convinced as a, I want, I'm not necessarily a solo founder. You know, I do have a team of contractors, but for early stage, less than like five people, like one OKR is enough. And I think where I was getting stuck was trying to do multiple things instead of creating that that north star for the quarter and saying this is what we're focusing on and so you know for me this okr process is something that i can actually map out on a napkin so you literally can, can create a strategic plan simple and easy on a napkin and i was planning on doing an episode of the okr process solo <laughs> dolo but i got some courage reached <laughs> out to christina and uh fired up to have you here today so before we scary? Get, <laughs> Am I scary? <laughs> no. I well, you know, the world is just opened up to the because of the Internet. Oh, so, yeah. you know, when I'm able to reach out to people now and people are making time and I feel so honored by it. But, you know, back in the day, you would read a book. It wasn't easy to just go out and get the author of the book. Nope. You know, Jim, Jim Collins is still a recluse. I can't get a hold of him yet, but I'm working <laughs> on it. But, um, you know, it is uh, the world's just open up. So it's so interesting to be able to read this stuff and then go out and connect with the the, the authors who wrote it. A hundred percent. So before we talk about the book and the framework, one thing we do on this show is we take off our armor, Christina. 
So <laughs> a lot of times in the entrepreneurial journey, it makes people feel like they're winning all the time. You know, social media just posts the wins. But obviously, as small business owners, as entrepreneurs, life is not always as easy. And so what we encourage our guests to do, as well as ourselves, we take off our armor and share something we're struggling with either personally, professionally, as an entrepreneur um, in our own life. Gosh, um, you want a story of a past failure or something I'm struggling with now? Whatever you feel like sharing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think we often think that there's some kind of done state for humans and there really isn't, right? So um, after Zynga, I was like, okay, you know, I try this, I try that. I got to a place where I was really happy because I was teaching somewhat and I was doing these talks and the book was doing well. And then I got kind of tired of it. And now I'm asking myself again, you know, now that I've changed, do I want to focus more on teaching? Do I want to do online? And so that basic discovery process, and by the way, you should have Teresa Torres on your uh, podcast. She's amazing. She does the discovery. Um, what is it called? The continuous discovery uh, process book. It's so good. And so as an entrepreneur at heart, you have to just keep saying, okay, what's next? Um, am I doing good? Should I lean back and relax? Because we don't relax enough. Or is something not right? Do I want to start poking at it now? Um, and I'm really struggling with this because I live in an insanely expensive place and condos go for $1.5 million. And the question's like, and my kids in the school districts, so I don't want to move. And so I'm really struggling with like, how do I do the thing I really love, but make enough money to set us up for success? Cause you know, I'm going to want to retire. I know she's going to college. So just like everybody else, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm having that same struggle. If where does the money come from? How do I, how do I stay here at this amazing institution and yet make sure I can pay the bills? So I don't think we ever stop struggling because we never stop growing. Um, I think that's the biggest thing I'm struggling with right now. I appreciate you sharing that and uh, being vulnerable for our listeners. And, I, you know, you taking off your armor inspired me to take off mine. I have been dealing with a little bit of an existential crisis over the last like two weeks. Oh. Um, you know, a little bit older now. I'm 34. I'll be 35 this year. But more so of like I'm a hustler. You know, so like when I'm on, I'm on. My calendar's full. I'm moving around. I'm positive energy. When I am off, I am off. And some days you just look at that calendar and you're like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. You know, what are we working towards? What's happening? You know, yes. and it can be a life event. Like I'll, I'll run into someone and they're going through something. And I'm like, man, what happened to so-and-so? You know, how did this happen? You know, and it starts to make you re-question about like, you know, what, what are we focusing on? Like, why are we working so hard? Where do we working toward? And some days when I went, like, I feel like I'm, and this is where I think where OKRs come in too, is like, yo, we have these goals, you know, these, these dreams that we want to accomplish. But for those of us that have accomplished it, like writing your first book or me winning my first national championship, what's on the other side of it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. You could, you, the, you build up and then you get there and then it's like, now what? Absolutely. But, so it's really the journey and the process. And so for the longest time, I've always told myself, I want to enjoy each and every day. That's the goal yes. of my entrepreneurial journey. How do I enjoy each and every day? But this past like week or so, I don't know if I got punched in the face or what, but I've definitely been struggling with the why, you know? So I'm like having to reset myself and keep moving forward. Um, so that's what I'm struggling with right now. Absolutely. You know, I think it's very normal. Um, you talked about it one way, but I think of it as marathoners and sprinters. 
and they're both valuable. Like marathoners are great inside a company because they can gently, slowly make change. But I've always been a sprinter. I run like hell and then I lay down. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So um, I think what's nice about OKRs is you have that formal period at the end of the quarter where you look back on that quarter and say, what could be better? What needs changing? Um, what do I want to focus on? And I've been using OKRs to run my personal life for like eight, nine years now. I probably, that's a book that's probably overdue to be written. And being able to look over the next last quarter and like, wow, I am running myself ragged. I have to stop doing that. Or I need space to dig out to get meaning. Um, I ended up uh, buying a little cabana in Belize where things are really quite cheap. And I go there and I think, and I think about what do I want to do next? What would the business look like? How do I fulfill it? Or I work on a new class for my students. And I think giving yourself permission to stop everything, whether you go somewhere else or just in your garage and play loud music, you know, it's so important to keep truing yourself to your life goals. It's so crazy because you're like, um, we the internal locus of control. We always have control. But at times it feels like we lose that control, like we lose our schedules and we have all these obligations. And you're right. Like some days I just want to go cold turkey and just disappear mm -hmm. and rethink and reset. But sounds like I need to plan that in. And so for our listeners, you know, when we share this stuff. People reach out to me, Christina. They're like, Mike, thanks so much. You know, when we get vulnerable on these platforms, it makes people feel like that they're not going through it alone, that they can uh, yeah. relate. And so we're, what we're talking about is that human experience. You know, oh, that's, the inner, that's the connection here. So with regards to OKRs, I would love for you to, one, talk about your book, let our listeners get an overview of the book, and then dive into the OKR framework. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, the thing is, the first half of the book, of course, is a story about um, Hannah and Jack trying to get a startup going. And they've raised a lot of money, which, you know, happens a lot around here. And then they suddenly go, wait what are we really doing here? And because they aren't really focused, they pick up a lot of stuff that's available. Like, oh, it'd really be fun to do a pop-up restaurant. It'd be really fun to do this. But the reality is your money doesn't last, um, whether you're using your credit cards and your own money or a venture capitalist. So you really need that focus. So they end up having a crisis. And um, luckily, they needed to hire a CTO who knows something about OKRs, Raphael. And uh, they start applying it, and then they fail again. And that's the thing. It's like you have these stories all the time where it's like, if you just did this one thing, everything will work. But, you know, um, you try, you fail, you get more information, you try and you start to succeed. Um, actually, they fail before they meet Raphael. Sorry about that. I, I see your eyes. You're like, wait a second. Raphael's the yeah. hero here. But uh, then the second half is really about the framework. And it's really simple. But the problem is that OKRs are like the best diet advice. Eat less and exercise more. Have you ever tried to do that? It's not as easy as people think. It's so hard, man. It's so hard. Um, so that's what I think about OKRs. I think they're really simple, but they're actually hard. And you really have to think deeply about it. Um, and you have to build it into your life uh, the way you would build an exercise plan into your life. So people often get caught up in the setting of them. And I think it is important to set good ones especially when it comes to key results. Um, so let's explain what they are. The O is for objective. And think of this as a, a goal um, that you could accomplish in one quarter, but you'd really have to try hard at it. It's not like, 
oh, I need to buy an electric bike. Like I can just go down the street and buy an electric bike. It has to be something like uh, I want to move my revenue up or I want to discover a new market, right? Something that's hard and juicy, but exciting and thrilling. And then you say, okay, how would I know if I succeeded? And this is like one of the most important questions. How would I know I succeeded? And then you find metrics that would move if you were successful. So some people, uh, I won't name names, but some people are out there saying it's fine to do like a, a project completion as a KR. No, no, it's, it's, it's got to be something that you're trying to move in the world. So, you know, maybe you want to double your listeners. That would be a sign that you were reaching people and they were excited and they were talking about you. Or maybe you want to move your rating on your podcast platforms. These are all really good KRs because you're like, I want to have the highest quality one um, entrepreneurship podcast, or I want to have the most popular, or maybe I just want to be in the top 10 or the top 50. You know, you can set, if it's only a quarter, like you want to be the best, but bring it back to something that's hard, but not impossible. Because if you try to do impossible things, you get depressed and nobody wants that. So you get it to the right spot and then you just start doing it. And, you know, a lot of people ask, how do I know what numbers to pick? And I'm like, you know what? It's okay to make it up, get it wrong, get some data and try again next quarter. That's completely acceptable. You don't have to have all the answers. In fact, you're doing OKRs to get some answers. One of the things I like about the OKR process is, and tell me if I'm wrong, for early stage founders, this is really good strategic planning. Yeah. Because I've read all the literature out there. I've read 40X. I've read EOS, you know, Gino Wickman. I've read all these different books. And a lot of times, right? it can get overwhelming yes. because for early stage founders, and I love that you covered this in the book, right? With that, with the, the story you told, we are focused on identifying our perfect customers and driving revenue, mm -hmm. right? For small business, I call it perfect customer, you know, for tech, tech companies, they call it product market fit and mm -hmm. everything is around that. And I think in the story, you said a good example of OKR is like, yo, if you haven't built your minimum viable product, this thing you're taking to the market, right? That's a good OKR to start to focus on. And now the whole team can kind of rally around that instead of like, oh, we need to build a website. We need to do this. We need to do all these other things. It's like, there's a lot of stuff that people are doing that's really putting the cart before the horse. And yeah. I feel like that early stage journey is really around the market and driving revenue. Yeah, I always uh, joke that if you're early stage uh, startup and you don't have product market fit, your objective is get product market fit. That's it. That's the only objection. And you can have it every quarter and you just stay with it. But I, I do want to stop for a second because you talk about an MVP. And I feel really worried about that acronym because a lot of people say, oh, we build something crappy and we put it out and then we'll fix it later. And that's not what it is. It's what is the smallest thing I possibly can do to find out if my business is viable? So, you know, when I was, when I left Zynga, I said, oh, Maybe I would love to be a chef and have my own restaurant. Yay. What's the smallest thing I can do to see if that would actually make me happy? Six weeks of culinary school. Don't have to do the whole year. And guess what? Didn't like it. You know, or uh, do I want to be a professor? Taught some classes at GA, right? Tiny things, tiny things. So if you're a startup and you're trying to get your minimum viable product out, you have to ask yourself, well, do I have, do I know what to build? And do I know what questions it would answer? Um, and maybe you don't have to build a whole one. Maybe you just have to do like some concierge testing or build a landing page, you know, do tiny things because it reduces your risk and saves you that money that you have to be so careful with. And I'm a big fan of Sahil Lavingia. He was a founder. He's the founder of Gumroad and wrote The Minimalist Entrepreneur. Yes. And one of his chapters is MVP stands for Minimum Viable Process. 
Yeah. So for early stage small business owners that are service based or heck, even your, you know, your local uh, maker or whatever, like what is your process to deliver value to the company? You know, Absolutely. And mapping that sucker out and repeating it over and over and over again. And it's so hard because you'll talk to a customer and they'll be like, yeah, I'd love that. And then if you say to them, OK, I'm going to do it for you for the next two weeks for 50 bucks um, a week. And they're like, nope. Oh, no, that's a little too pricey. And all of a sudden you realize all that enthusiasm disappears. Um, I like to joke, nobody lies with their wallet. <laughs> yeah, facts. The wallet drives, the wallet lets you know that you have something people are willing to pay for. Absolutely. And that's the value that you should be going for. And I stress that over and over again on this platform. So going back to objectives, right? You're 100% right. When you first start these this process of setting your goals down on paper, you can often overshoot, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, I want to, I don't know, make a million dollars this year in revenue. Some people will, but for a lot of people, it's going to be scraping. You're hustling, <laughs> you know, and you can be depressed. But the more you do the process, the better you'll get at identifying what you can accomplish. So when you talk about, I'll give you an example last month. My goal was to launch a podcast for my production company, Ironbound Media, Dog Whistle Branding. So that was the objective, all right? Uh, the key results were that I would interview 10 to 12 uh, entrepreneurs, you know, keep a full pipeline on my business. And I think I forgot what the last one was, but I understand what you meant about like, hey, this is a change. This is what it's going to allow us to do. Yep. And that's why I like to start with the big crazy goal and then start chopping it down. <laughs> but other right. people work differently. Some people are just like, you know, we're changing direction so fast because we're seeking um, product market fit that, you know, we're just going to do some experiments for this quarter. And then at the end of the quarter, we're going to figure out if we have to change. So it varies for people. Once we identify those key results, the next step is to set your priorities. Oh, yes, absolutely. So traditionally, we have the old fashioned sort of waterfall manufacturing process of making it, getting out a Gantt chart and making all these plans for exactly what we're going to do over the next three months and make a roadmap. But um, that's not a lean way of working. And the reason you have OKRs is that so that you can stay really nimble. So one of the things um, that you do instead is you have, um, and I know it's, it sounds semantic, but I need a way to distinguish it. You have a pipeline of tactics, things you could do that you think would influence the numbers. Some things might've been in your, you know, your roadmap pipeline for a long time. Some of them are new things that you might brainstorm. And then um, you rate them, like how likely is it to, will it make a big impact, of course? How hard is it to do? Everybody does that. But I like confidence as well. How confident are we? And if we don't have low confidence, that's when we really want to do those tiny tests, right? And get our confidence up, especially if it's a big effort um, or a big impact. So I think getting that list up and then every Monday you are dealing with the Foursquare. I wish I'd given it a sexy name. I had no idea OKRs were going to be so popular. Um, so I still call it the Foursquare. But it says basically, um, here's our OKRs because people will forget. You need to remember your OKRs. You got to keep saying, this is what we're doing this quarter. So you look at your OKRs and you say, are we confident we're getting closer or we're getting farther away? And that's the place for a conversation with your co-founder, right? Like, why, why are you not confident? Why are you that confident? You know, um, you also have health metrics, but because the thing is with early stage founders, they won't sleep, man. They'll go crazy. They'll just drive people into the ground. Um, I was coaching someone last year and they're like, I don't think this person cares. They don't work on the weekend and they just got married. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, uh, let's talk about that one, right? So you have to say, is my team healthy? Are they smart? Are they capable? Um, 
is the code good? Because of course, early stage startups often make kind of crappy things while you're getting to MVP. Are you going to be able to scale? Just, you know, whatever your health metrics are. Maybe it's you're so busy getting new customers, you've forgotten about your existing customers. That's often a good health metric. Um, and then you have what's coming up this week and then what's coming up in whatever time horizon you want. Usually I'm like about a month out and that way everybody knows what's going on. Now, if you're solo, that's less of a worry because you don't have to coordinate a number of people, even if it's just you and your partner. But if you want to keep yourself honest, it can. I do it for myself. I just do it on the wall, right? On a whiteboard or not a whiteboard, a, a, what do you call them? The flip charts things? Yeah. Yep. So this, that, but the thing is, I've discovered that that Monday and Friday cadence. So the Friday is where you celebrate. You take a moment and you say, what did I accomplish? What did I learn? Did I learn, you know, even if things fail, at least I learned something. Um, and if you have a, a bigger company, like five people or so, that's not big, but you can all share what you succeeded with. And the thing is, if you're constantly doing stretch goals, you're constantly going to have a hard time doing them. And that can become depressing. And making a startup is a marathon. It, take, it takes people commonly five, 10 years to get to success. And most of them don't. So being able to hold yourself responsible and take care of yourself, build that in. And what I've found is even if you write the worst OKRs ever, just on Monday saying, what am I trying to do? And on Friday saying, what have I accomplished? Actually can transform lives and transform companies. I've seen companies who wrote the worst OKRs you could imagine, but just that cadence supercharged them. So you're setting your priorities for the week. So it's like me and my admin, it's like, hey, this is what we want to accomplish this week. And then on Friday, we're determining whether or not we accomplished them. And is that where the scoring comes in? Well, no, here's the thing is on a Friday, you're just basically saying what awesome thing happened. So maybe you didn't accomplish it, but you learned something. So fabulous. Okay. Now we know we don't have to go in that direction. Or maybe you're on the way to creating a new logo and you're like, wow, look at these amazing sketches. Or it comes out of the um, scrum process of always demoing code at the end of the week. And instead it's more of a celebration. Um, you're not going to score things. I don't know. I don't like the word score. I prefer yeah. the word um, learn. And so you can have your retro retrospective at the end of the week. But at the end of the quarter is when you really set aside a chunk of time to say, okay, we have this list of everything we learned because we've been writing it down. What does that mean? How can we make sense of this? What does it tell, tell us about what we're going to do next? And even if it's just you or just me, like I will... I will spend quality time. I'll go through all my weekly emails because I send it to my coach because she keeps me honest. And then I'll say, oh, I see. Okay. And that's how I learned that some things in my job made me unhappy and some things in my other job made me really happy. And that allows me to, to constantly, again, tune my direction. But yeah, at the end of the week, you're just saying, yay, we survived. Awesome. You got 20 new subscribers. Congratulations. I love that idea of the celebration. I think I've gotten away from it. You know, when I first started, I was my business coach would always say, you get a new client, celebrate that yep. day, you know, because enjoy that moment, experience it because the other storm is coming, you yep. know, just what it is. So we got to enjoy that. But I need to get it. I've gotten away from it. And then another thing you just said is about sharing. And in the book, one of the things you say is you have to share these things externally, like sending that email right to people and say, hey, these are objectives. This is what we we've accomplished. This is where we fell short. And are you saying doing that every week or is that every quarter? I do that. I do the weekly email because the secret is make it really short. Um, so if you don't want to get the book or you can't afford it right now, 
Um, there's a bunch of blog posts on my blog, eleganthack.com. And it's the one about uh, the dreaded weekly status report. And I don't know about you, but back when I was at um, MySpace, I had a project manager and I managed managers. I was uh, VP of social. And so, you know, everybody would be sending in their status reports and everybody was trying to like justify their job. They would write like three pages of what they did. And then the project manager um, would collate them. And then I would send it to the CEO, my boss. And one time I sent it out and I didn't look at it and my boss didn't say anything. And when I was reading it, I was like, oh God, that's bad. I, if he had come after me and I hadn't read it, I would have been in, in trouble, except nobody was reading it. So what's the point? Why are we doing this? So instead, if we can just say, you know, um, here's my confidence change on my OKRs. Here's the thing, things I did last week. Did it work? Did it not work? Are they done? What blocked it? And then what am I going to do next week? And nothing else. And you're only allowed three P1s. And if you're really ambitious, you can put in a P2, especially if I don't want to forget something I want to do the week after. I'll throw it in a P2. And a couple notes about what went wrong. And it should take you like five, 10 minutes, unless you're like in a crisis point and then you have to think about it. But just that rhythm creates that written record um, that you can review. And more importantly, when we write things down, we don't just write it to paper, we write it to our brain. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time looking at learning science. And especially if we handwrite it, but even typing it out will make it part of our long-term memory instead of our short-term memory, which allows us to learn faster. And you know, Mike, as an entrepreneur, you got to learn fast. It's everything. You have to. You got to get that feedback loop. And mm -hmm. I think I've been scared to send because I run a nonprofit, too. And I've thought about, oh, can I do an OKR email update to my uh, board of directors each week? But I don't know what the fear is of kind of getting through that process because you know, and it, it goes back to what we're prioritizing. You know, you start adding more and more on the plate. And so it's like more responsibility. So it's like, what can I focus on and what can I commit to? A hundred percent. And that's what I really love about um, only being allowed three P1s is it shuts down that laundry list approach and it makes you go, actually, what is the most important thing for this week? You know, and if you ask yourself that question, it's just very powerful. It, um, it accelerates real progress. But Christina, I have a question for you now. Okay. So we create all these OKRs, right? We have a good quarter. Say we create so a beautiful OKR. We create a beautiful OKR. Say, <laughs> hey, I want to, you know, uh, generate $50,000 in revenue for the business this quarter. We hit it. Boom. Then next quarter, we're like, our confidence is good. We put another OKR and we punt it, right? We don't hit our next OKR. Does that go in the OKR graveyard? Can we roll it to the next quarter? You know, because one thing that you talked about too is that like, yo, when you don't hit goals, it kills your confidence. And then it just drags on and on and it becomes this like headache. Yeah. So do you start fresh? Do you roll it over? Talk to us about that. Well, I think, um, first of all, I hope you never have an objective, which is $50,000. That's a great key result. But um, I always like to ask people, what is that money actually telling you? Because right. some people will start with the key results. Lots of people are very metric minded. And if you are, then you have to ask, what is that money telling you? Is it telling you that your customers love you? Is it telling you that we're pricing too low? I don't know. That becomes the objective. But anyway, sorry, not to nitpick. It's no, you're right. Never have a revenue number. It's more of what are you trying to accomplish? And that's yeah. the result. What so do you really want? Next, we will result in $50,000 in revenue. Absolutely. And um, I find that conversation really good because um, 
for somebody, some people, the money says we're making good progress and other people, it just means we're not going to go under. And if you know why, then you could try other things. But anyway, I, I go too deeply. Um, so if you set the wrong OKRs in the very beginning and you know, in like two weeks into the quarter or three weeks into the quarter, like, oh, uh, no, this is completely wrong. Yeah, you want to rip them apart. But if you're like two and a half months into the project, and you're like, we're not making our OKRs. Suck it up, cowboy. You know, um, I actually just ended my quarter a little bit early because I was like, I can tell I'm not making these two. And I'm ready to start thinking about how do I use this information to inform the next quarter? Yeah. So you hit the very end of the quarter. That's when you're going, okay, what did we hit? What did we not hit? And if you're setting stretch goals, you're not going to hit them, but you might get 70%, 80% of it. I know Google uh, says 70% is about right on a number because otherwise you're setting too low a goal for yourself. Um, sometimes I'll send a ri ridiculous goal just to see what's possible, right? Like uh, I don't think I could ever make $50,000 in a quarter on speaking, but let's see, you know? Um, so when you hit that end of the quarter, you can ask yourself, do I, do we need a do-over? Is what we're doing so strategic and so critical that we're going to change, basically do the same thing, maybe change one KR or maybe tweak the objective, you know, little improvements um, because you want to incorporate the learning. Or you can say, actually, we got half of it. And now we know we should do this. So, you know, you might make an OKR that's about this is the next direction. Every quarter is an opportunity for a do-over, right? And it's... It's only depressing. I think it's very depressing in the first couple of weeks when you realize it's completely wrong. Um, when you don't make it, it's really up to you, the entrepreneur, um, and your. I hope you have a support system to say, yeah. "Oh no, 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 you're good, you're good." You know, it's just okay. Now that you haven't made these OKRs, what do you want to make? You know, what do you want to try next? How do you want to experiment? Because that's what makes it so fun to be us. Is every day I wake up and go, you know. I know what I want. What am I going to try next? What experiment do I get to run? And I think that's a fun way to live. I'm going to tell on your, I'm going to tell on myself y'all. So I set up an OKR Christina, but I haven't been focused on it. Like last quarter, I was probably a month in. I looked up at the OKR. And I was like, I have not launched this show yet. You know? So I just was like, boom, I'm committed. I grunted it out. I got it done. Yep. This quarter, I've been trying to write this book. You know, I've been traveling a lot. And my OKR for Ironbound Media was create a badass content production plan. And the key result would be everything is uploaded like three months prior, you know, stress-free is the way to be, all this other stuff. But I've gotten away from it, yeah. you know? And the easy thing to do is like, just drop it all together. But I know that that is a really important OKR. And mm -hmm. so I feel like you're giving me permission to roll it into next quarter, really lean into it and take another swing at it. Oh, yes, you have to. It matters to you. I mean, the thing is, the only question you have to ask is, does this matter to me or not? And if the answer is yes, of course you stay with it. But again, learn. Like maybe what didn't work is you didn't have that Monday. What am I doing towards that goal? And it, I have to say from my own personal experience, constantly writing, I'm going to, you know, get that taillight fixed. Week yeah. after week, you're like, Fuck, I'm doing it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I can. Yeah, no, you're good. You're, it's a military podcast. So <laughs> it slips. You're good. Yeah. So it's like looking at it every week, you're like, oh, I'm sick of seeing this thing. I got to just do it. Right. And um, it's good to find an accountability buddy if you're one person. Like if you have co founders, you can send it to each other. But as long as you have somebody who's going to 
you know, you have to send it to. And uh, I just told my coach, all you have to do is if you don't see my weekly status report by Tuesday, ask for it. She's like, I can do that. And it works. You know, it just works. I should have done that on this damn book, y'all. Hey, I'm trying to write. It's hard. It's kicking me in the face each and every day. But maybe that's something I can do to start moving the 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 the. Is it moving the puck down the ice or something? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a hockey fan, but sure. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, what's what's great is every week is a chance for a do-over. Every quarter is a chance for a do-over. You're never, you're never a failure. You just like I. What is it, what was it? Edison who said, um, "I haven't failed. I've just found ten thousand ways not to make a light bulb." <laughs> yeah. But I think you know. The, the challenge for me has been, and I'm sure a lot of listeners too, is like, sometimes it feels like time is just moving quick. Like we just blink through 20, you know, I feel like we're still in 2020, but it's like 2022, you know? So it's like, oh, you start the week, you're all fired up or you start the quarter, you're, you know, you've got this mental clarity, you're ready to get after it. And then next thing you know, it's like the end of the quarter and you're like, or the end of the week already. And you're yep. like, why is time moving so quick? You know, so that's where I think what you're talking about is getting that writing cadence down, sharing yeah. that stuff, because now you have a log and there's that accountability, at least visually for you, because you see it. Yep. And what's great about it is you learn things like I learned um, over my personal OKRs that I have a tendency to sacrifice my health every time things get busy. I just stop exercising. I don't eat well. And I was like, oh, that's why I feel like crap all the time, you know, because I just was writing down why I didn't do something that I told myself I was going to do. And so once you start realizing those patterns, you can ditch them. And it's great because yeah. you can unblock yourself. So that's why it's so critical when you're doing your weekly to say, why didn't it happen? And then you see those patterns and then you have breakthroughs. So here's what I want to do. Let's do a quick case study on this OKR process, okay? So I'm, I've just done a Bunker Labs program, right? I did Launch Lab online. I've got this idea to start a tea company, right? So I'm going <laughs> to sell specialty tea to veteran-owned businesses or something, okay? Yeah. For my OKR process, number one, I need to validate the business model. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to say, hey, do we have something that people want? Is there a market need for this combat tea? That we're going to roll out okay so our key results would be we earn i don't know fifty thousand dollars in revenue this quarter we recruit strategic channel partners and what could be a third one let's see um you could always go for well so when i think about key results i always ask um if i was really going after something what could get messed up so if you're really trying to get people to sign up um are you going to skimp on quality then you want to have a quality metric or are you going to burn out your team, you know, um, or do you have to build a new team? Like, how can you even get it? Right. So the third one can be whatever's missing from the other three. When you think about what do I have to do? So maybe my third one is, um, you know, the core, uh, the core team to work on this new business, which is nothing like your old business um is in place and and productive that might be it's a it's a hard goal because right. you know they all say what does it take but it take the first 90 days says it takes you three months to be productive so it's not impossible so we recruit our a team so yep, that's that's the key result right so objective is we violate the business model we're going to call it combat t we earn fifty thousand dollars and we earn fifty thousand dollars in revenue we recruit our initial team and i forgot what the other one was i said 
Oh gosh. Um, I think it was, what was it? It was about, uh, well, we don't even have to ask what it is. We, you own $50,000, you want a great team and it's not recruit the team. It's we have a great team um, because recruiting is something you can do and still fail. But uh, a result is get the team. I think the last one's probably going to be about excitement of the customers, yeah. you know? Um, so I might look at um, what are signs of excitement? We've got signups for a newsletter. Nobody wants more email unless they really want your email. Uh, we can say uh, reference. We could do a, a referral program and see how many people refer, do some tracking in there. Uh, we could do track viral growth. Are people you know, sharing it on social media? Like what's telling us is people are actually really excited. And if you remember from Steve Blank's work, the early, um, early evangelist, uh, yeah. it's a crazy one. There we go. So, I, so we've got our three uh, key results. Okay. Now we're going to set our priorities. Are we setting our priorities around combat T for the week? Or are we setting our priorities for the quarter? Well, that's the thing is, okay, now we've got this big combat T thing, right? Okay. And we know we need to make money. We know we got to get people sharing stuff. And we know that, why do we always forget the third one? My gosh, it's funny. Um, but so what are we going to do? Like, well, I think we're probably going to have, to, if we're going to try to get newsletter subscriptions, we're probably going to have to start working on a newsletter. So what are some things we want to do on that? And you can ask yourself, um, like, how long will it take to get it out? What are the steps? Size it. Okay, here's my question. How confident are you that a newsletter is going to work? It's very affordable. Um, good newsletters get opened at a really high rate. Bad ones, like as far as I can tell, newsletters either have a rate of 12% open rate or 1%. Like there doesn't seem to be a lot better than that um, and not a lot in the middle. So maybe we start running some tests. This is where you go from OKRs to lean startup. Lean startup is always asking you like, okay, how do we know? How do we know? What can we run? Um, so what's the smallest possible thing we could do? Maybe we create a landing page and you say, hey folks, you know, we're going to be coming out with tea. Um, Combat T and uh, sign up here. Well, that's a weak signal, but it's the beginning of signal because if people sign up with their email to find out about it, they're at least interested, right? And then later, if you can make sure you know where your supply line is, you could do something like uh, you'll get 50% off if you pre-buy and see how many people buy it. And if it three people do it, you just go down to the store, buy some tea and ship it to them. But uh, you, you want to keep checking signal and work from weaker signals to stronger signals so that you know if it's working or not. And then in the quarter, you might be like, you know, tea is kind of a stretch for us. Maybe we should sell merch instead because that's right. a good looking jacket you're wearing there. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm wearing my Lions Pride swag and my Soul Fleet snapback. I but again, that. going back to those priorities, the first time I'm going through this process, am I setting priorities for the quarter? Am I setting priorities for the week? Um, so if you have something big, you set it for the quarter. If you have something small, you set it for the week. If you have a big task, um, I often think of those tactics, um, but you're yeah. right, they're the priorities for the time. So if you have something that you're like, oh, I'm gonna have to build, I'm gonna have to get an entire CRM going. I think that's a terrible choice when you don't have product market fit, but it's at least something big. Well, then you're gonna break it down to, you know, are we gonna build or buy? If we buy what's out there, um, do I know people can give me advice? And so then each week's priorities become those steps. Right. And then if you have something really big, like it takes six months or longer, then your your OKRs are about a milestone that tells you whether or not you should keep going. So if you were starting something new, um, you're building some giant 
you're building your CRM yourself, you got to know, will people, can people use it? So maybe you can't build the whole thing in, th in three months, but you could run a usability test, right? To see if people can actually use the designs with a prototype, or you could run another kind of test. So, um, so then your goal would be to have um, a usable and desirable prototype at the end of, you know, the quarter. And we would know it because uh, one severity issue and no more than five medium issues, you could have it be like uh, 1,000 people sign up for the process to be alerted when it comes out. Um, you know, you, you look for those metrics that say, the thing we're thinking of building is still worth building. Because imagine doing something for nine months and not knowing whether it was worth it until the end of that. That's insane. Right. We need those check-in points to let us know that we're on the right track. 100%. So combat T, we've like, all right, so we're setting our priorities. We know we need this CRM. So then a good priority for the week could be like, hey, uh, admin, check out these three different options and let me know, hey, what do you think is the best fit for us? The other thing was, like you said, draft the initial copy for the landing page. And the third thing could be create the schedule for pop-ups we're going to attend for the month. Boom, we come to Friday, yeah. we check out our priorities. You know, hey, we, 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 we looked at these CRM options. In my case, we're going with Notion or Pipedrive. Yeah. You know, thumbs up. All right. Hey, I've got some pop up scheduled for us. All right. Let's celebrate. We drink our wine or whatever we're going to do at the end of the week. And Eat then, right. And then going into the next week, now it's time to set new priorities. And we're yeah. going to start by having our meeting on Monday, which mm -hmm. is our little stand up where we set the priorities for the week. As the entrepreneur and the founder and CEO, a lot of y'all are one on one. It's probably my responsibility to set those priorities. Oh, so yeah. then I go into the meeting and now I'm briefing and mm -hmm. I'm asking for feedback. And I'm yep. asking people, hey, what is what are your thoughts? Is this something that we can realistically do for this week? Mm -hmm. And if you were a little bigger, then it, people start bringing their priorities to you. You don't have because the thing that happens with founders is they feel like they have to know everything and have every answer. And you really don't. You just hire really great people and let them be great. I want to emphasize this again, even in our combat T example. Most of y'all are going to need one OKR. Yep. And you're going to ride the one KR, one OKR process, you know, throughout. And one thing you also address in the book is if you do have a team, so let's say there's three of us, that doesn't mean three different OKRs for everybody. And that never works good, right? What we oh, need to fine. do is we need to, we need to have one OKR for the company and we're all working towards that. And people's priorities are assigned around that OKR. Yes. And, you know, um, People always say, well, what about everything else I have to do? Because you're always doing 100 things, right? You're like, oh, I got to go get this contract sorted out, blah, blah, blah. And that's a whole different system. You know, it's just, it's you can use Trello, you can use Asana. It's just stuff you got to do. The reason you have this OKR is so all that stuff you're doing doesn't stop you from getting the really critical strategic things done. And that's what happens in life is just there's so much noise, right? You know? got to pick up the kid, got, I'm out of dog food. Um, and on top of it, this VC called and I got to get back to him. And somebody else has asked me to speak at this thing, you know, but the important thing is, and then you look at that one OKR and you're like, okay, I'm not going to drop this ball. Um, so, you know, when people say, how do I handle everything else? It's like, how do you handle it now? You know, you can do it a dozen ways, Jira, Trello, post-it notes. It doesn't matter. What really matters is making sure the critical strategic stuff doesn't get forgotten and putting that as priority circling it making sure the team knows it that's the biggest thing i'm learning about strategy is that 
are we doing enough to convey this stuff externally and mm -hmm. internally? You know, does your team know your stakeholders, your vendors, any your co-founder, right? Your if you got investors, does everybody know what the goal is and what winning looks like? And the OKR, that main objective, that's winning. This is what winning looks like at the end of the quarter. This is what winning looks like for us at the end of the year. And we need to make sure that everybody understands this. And so I think too, and I'm curious to hear your feedback, as you start rolling out this OKR process, set your objective for the year, make that your like North star, but the, 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 the quarterly OKR process is the thing that's going to get you there. Absolutely. And what I like to do is if you have an annual OKR, just write out the four objectives for the four quarters and only do the key results for the quarter you're going into because you may change the other ones. So it becomes like, basically strategy is, is very precise. Figuring out how to execute against your strategy is very precise in the near future, but the farther you go out, who knows what's gonna happen? Maybe there's gonna be a pandemic, right? So you keep your plans very loose so that you feel very comfortable changing them as you need it. Um, because maybe to get to that annual OKR, suddenly you find yourself going from, you know, in-person events to online events. And suddenly that Q3 OKR has got to be changed, right? Beyond what you thought. So there's always a balance between planning and flexibility. And without planning, you're constantly reactive. But if you're very precise in your plan, you're not flexible. So you have to find a sweet spot between those two. I appreciate that. And I think that's what I enjoy about you is the fact of like, this stuff is not set in tone. Like business is a contact sport. You don't know what you don't know. Oh, and yeah. once you get punched in the face a couple times, you got to duck, you got to bobble and weave, you got to change strategies. And the OKR process is giving us permission to, to, to be okay with that pivot, with that change. But it's important though that we put ourselves in the best position to validate and make sure that this path we're going down is the right one we're supposed to be on. Absolutely. And because uh, startups are so fragile, you have to give yourself that permission, right? Because, you know, you're young, you're new, you're making some money, that's great, but who knows what the marketplace will do next week. So you've got to stay a little bit, you got to stay flexible, you got to stay flexible. As we wrap up here, closing remarks regarding the OKR process, right? Why is this a good framework for early stage founders to start implementing like today? Oh my gosh. Actually, it'd be great to implement today because it's almost the beginning of Q2. So it's a particularly good time. Um, don't try to be perfect. You know, just get something out there. So it, like I see people get caught up in wordsmithing the perfect OKR. And it's like, no, no, if it's a little wrong, it'll be fine. But never skip on the cadence. You know, every week say, what am I doing this week towards this vision? And don't forget to celebrate because it's what gives you life so you can keep going. Um, so I would say... Uh, Read the book if you don't want to pay for the book. Read the um, read the blog posts. Watch out for Measure What Matters. It's very inspiring, but it doesn't have a lot of really good practical advice that will work for you. Um, but it is very inspiring. Um, and change. If it's not working, change it. Um, try it the best way and then change it if it doesn't work for you. Um, but go, go. Make wonderful things. Put them in the world. Like she said, read the book. I'm a big fan. I had this book in my Audible. I didn't listen to it. But until I saw her talk and I opened up, I felt like this book was written for me. I'm be straight up. You know, it's an early stage company. There's two of them. They're building it from scratch. And not only do you tell the story, 
Then at the end of it, you break down the process step by step to the point where I can draw the, the, the four square on a napkin. So I highly, highly, highly endorse this book. Christina, we've got veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses tuning in from all over the country, all over the world. As a community, how can we elevate and support the work you're doing? <laughs> I just feel so grateful for what everybody's done for us. I have to say thank you for your service. Um, you know, I think all I really want at this point is for everybody to be kind to each other. I'm, I'm good. Just yeah. be kind to each other. That's great. But we're going to endorse the book. Check it out, y'all. I'll put the link in the description in the show notes. Um, I don't think Christina has social media. Do you got social media? Oh, I got social media out the wing wang. Look okay, for where can people follow you? At Twitter, look for, yeah, mostly I'm, I'm very noisy on the Twitters, I'm afraid. But uh, you can just look for first initial last name because I use the same username everywhere. Um, and you know what? I want to say, Mike, instead of uh, adding tea to your business, have you considered marketing? Because I think you're better at it than I am. <laughs> Yeah, I love marketing. That's why. Yeah. yeah, marketing is my marketing is my niche. You know, marketing <laughs> and branding and uh, category design. That's that's Ooh. what I specialize in. Nice. So I got to ask another question. When is penciled me in the second edition coming out? It's out. And you know it's what's even already? more important? Oh, wait, wait, wait. So what's even more important is not only is pencil me. Sorry, pencil me in. Oh, the second edition. Oh, the second edition of pencil me in. I thought oh. you mentioned that you were publishing another book. Oh, um, actually, so pencil me in is out, of course. Team That Managed Itself, if you have to manage people, I strongly recommend you read it. Um, it's also a lightly disguised story about a certain company I worked at. Um, so entertainment value, maybe. And the new book I'm thinking about writing, um, I feel like strategy is this big, crazy thing for people. So I think I'm going to write a very small book about just the strategy you need as an entrepreneur, like not the big MBA, blah, blah, but just like, what do you actually need to know? How do you pick your market? How do you validate your market? Um, how do you grow in and uh, how do you decide if you should add another product versus move into a new uh, country or a new age group? It's, just, it's not that hard. And I feel like all the books out there make it very confusing. So I feel like that's a place where I could bring um, some clarity to people, especially entrepreneurs who want a book they can read on a weekend. Love it. Well, we, we'll be sure to be on the lookout for that. We appreciate you spending this time with us here at The Bunker. For everyone that's tuning in, make sure you follow uh, Christina on her social, which we'll include in the show notes. And also subscribe to the Transition Newsletter, where we send our newsletter at least once a week, sharing the latest episode of The Transition. If you want to connect with me, feel free to do so on LinkedIn or Instagram at Iron Mike Stedman. And make sure that y'all are heading over to BunkerLabs.org, getting plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem. We have programs that'll take you from idea to invoice, incubate you and position to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.